Uh, you want me to get started? <coughs> Luke chapter 2. Turn there. If you don't have a Bible, that's all right. Um, it'll come up on the screen. Uh, Luke chapter 2. We, we've uh, started a series in the book of Luke. Um, for those of you that, that may be new or you, start, you haven't been with us for a few weeks or something, um, what, what we have set out to do is to answer questions. Because I, um, I love being asked questions. I love answering questions because asking and answering questions is how we learn. And when we don't ask and we don't get answers, um, and I'm going to put a little asterisk beside that, we don't get real answers, we can start to, to formulate a, a bad theology or a bad mindset towards something. So what, what I want us to do and what we've set out to do is we're going through the book of Luke, and for some of you, you're like, okay, yeah, Lee, I got this, but we're going through the book of Luke, and, and, and what, what is the main purpose that we're going through this book of Luke verse by verse? Certainty. They beat you to it this time, Bobby. You were going to take this one? All right. Um, certainty. Certainty about what? Well, the, the Luke tells us that the reason he wrote this book was for a man named Theophilus, um, a, a lover of God, one that we can relate with. But he wrote this so that, that, that what Theophilus was, was taught, he can have certainty about that. So I, I've encouraged everybody to ask questions. And um, to be honest with you, maybe, maybe I'm the only one who has questions because I haven't got asked anything yet. Or maybe you guys, you guys are just too scared to ask questions. Don't be. N no question. I'm not going to stand up here and say, well, you'll never guess what Brian asked me. Are there aliens in Jake's backyard? No. No. There's aliens somewhere with Jake. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I thought you were back in the back. Um, no, but please. Feel free. There, there's a little box in the back. Write your question down. Even if you don't want to put your name on it, write it down on something and stick it in the box. Let's answer these questions. Today, what I want to do is I want to answer a question in which I've had in, um, in my life. And I hear it. Aliens, Aliens are coming. <laughs> a question which I've had, and I know that some people have, uh, have had the same question, but maybe they're too afraid to ask it. And this question is, can I believe God's promises? Can I believe God's promises? And then, maybe some of you are sitting there like, yeah, I, 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 can, I don't need the, that question answered. Well, how about this question? What has God promised? What has God promised? Because if we're going to be honest, I think that there's a, um, there's a crossroad or, or a, a wall or a division or a barrier in which we get into our lives where we want to, maybe we want to believe God's promises, but we just don't know what they are. So today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reveal a few of them, and maybe this is just going to be a refresher for some, from, for some of you. Maybe for some of you, you're going to think, well, man, I never really took it that way, or I never heard that. And we're going to do all this with the Charlie Brown Christmas story. You guys are getting sick of hearing that, right? Charlie Brown Christmas story? No? Wah, 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 wah. That's all you're hearing, right? All right, we're going to start today. We're going to be in ver uh, chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Um, and then we're going to go uh, on Christmas Eve. We're going to finish uh, verses 8 through 21. 
What I want us to do is I want us to look in here, and I want us to have this, this understanding or this mindset, this thought of promises, promises, promises. Okay, what are God's promises? Where can I see these promises? How do these work out? This, this whole thing, just in, in, your, in your head, just let promises just start bouncing around, start bouncing around. As they're bouncing around, I want a, a, one of these filters um, to be put in place in, in your mind, and that is this. The certainty in which you can have is that God wants more for your life. God wants more for your life. I don't care what you're at or what you're doing right now, and you're thinking, no, I got it pretty good right now. I, I, don't, I don't care. You could be Donald Trump, um, all his money, all his whatever, and I, I can confidently say that God wants more for your life. Because God wants more for your life than you can even imagine. He's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for me that just transcends my own thought. It, it, I, I think it would be scary if God would reveal everything at once to us. I think it takes time and it takes trust and it takes understanding that we, uh, he, he reveals some a little bit at a time. So what I want us to do as we're thinking about these promises, we, we need to, to kind of draw the line between bad promises and good promises, but we have to keep in mind that God wants more for your life. And, and as a side note, as a side note, um, I'm not going to go on the, 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 out on the, the, the limb or out on the, the crazy path that God wants everybody to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's not in the Bible. That, that's, a, that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. It's, it's not going to be easy. But God does want more for your life. So let's look at the text and we'll talk a little bit more. Chapter 2, verse 1, it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world shall be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Stop real quick and, and let, let's look at this because um, too many times too many people say, well, the Bible is just a bunch of made-up stories that can't be um, validated um, by or there's no evidence for it um, outside of uh, the Bible. Like it, it, The Bible is all about circular reasoning. like It proves itself because of itself. Well, right here, what, what, what Dr. Luke here is doing is he's talking about an event that you can go outside of the Bible and see in history that this took place. This is something that is not just um, isolated to Scripture. And, and, and I think that that's important for us all is to understand while this all was going on, it wasn't as if there was a, a, a spotlight only on um, Israel and Palestine, that area right there in, in, in the Roman Empire um, on that part of the world, and then nothing else was, uh, or nothing else existed. Life was still going on. And, and I, I stress this because what we have to understand is in our lives, sometimes we isolate ourselves and we only focus on what's going on right here and we forget about everything that's going on all around us. When God is still moving and still orchestrating um, his plan to be executed um, all around us at the same time. Why is that so important? Well, because God's a big God and there's, there's what, 7 billion, 8 billion people uh, on this earth and he, he can count, he knows the, the hair on every single person's head. But he still cares enough for you, for me, and he still wants more for your life, for, for you, for me. That, 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 in my mind, that kind of is, is that, that commercial that Bobby's always talking about, that if commercial, poof, mind-blowing. But he cares. And, and, and we see here that even though there's this craziness going on in the Roman Empire and everything, 
God was still in control. God was still, I believe, um, we, can, we can make the argument that God was orchestrating all of this. He was making all of this happen. It says here, verse 3, it says, And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Okay, so here, uh, here's another piece of information that's going to help us bring this whole story together. When it says going to their own town, this is not like um, the, the town in which, okay, I grew up in this town, and I'm going back this, like, like me going to, um, to, to, to uh, North Carolina when I was, was in, in the service, and then me coming back to my own town. What, th- what this is talking about, like his family lineage, his line was from this town of Bethlehem. And there was other people that their, their, their lineage was from other towns and um, other, other cities. Why is this important? It's going to be important in a second even more because we're going to see how God orchestrating all of these things that take place, this, this census, he, him, um, uh, I, I don't want to say inspiring, but maybe inspiring the, the, the emperor at the time to say, we need to have the, the, this uh, um, this census, just so he can position people in the right place. And the right place for Joseph and Mary to be is going to be in Bethlehem. Um, for, for you super smart people, why, why is this important? Because that's, because what? I heard, I heard fulfill prophecy? Okay, yeah, well, let's talk about that. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So Mary and Joseph, they're in Bethlehem. The reason they're in Bethlehem is because of the census. While this is taking place, Mary goes into labor and Jesus is born. We know from um, not, not only New Testament account, we know from um, Old Testament account, uh, primarily uh, the, the book of Isaiah, that the, the, the virgin will give birth to, to a son, and they'll call his name what? Emmanuel. Jesus, yes, that's what the, the angel Gabriel said, but uh, back in, in the, the Old Testament, it says the one who's going to be, to be born, the Messiah, his name's going to be Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this is what's taking place. So what we have to do here is we kind of have to put our, 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 our thinking caps on for a second, look at all the, the, these pieces in the puzzle, look at how God orchestrated all this, look how um, what took place with a, the angel Gabriel and the promise, it's one promise, of God through the angel Gabriel to Mary that she was going to bear a son. She did. But we also have to look at the other promises that God had given to his people. Namely, you guys said it as prophecy, the promise that the Messiah was going to be born. And not only that the Messiah was going to be born, where he was going to be born. This is all coming together here. This is all, if we were to, to look at this on a, um, in a history book, we would be able to see that, okay, um, they said this was going to happen and this is what happened. And we're, we're sitting here and we're standing here and we're saying, okay, this took place. What I want to stress is that um, Bethlehem being also called the city of who? David. Uh, the city of David. So this is a very Jewish city. Would we agree? 
Very Jew- when I say a very Jewish city, this would, the Jewish culture w- w- is primary in this city. It is paramount in this city. So they would know of the prophecies of, uh, and the promises of, of God made from the, the, the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, correct? Is Jeremiah the only one got it? Yeah? Correct. Correct. There we go. Leo's got it too. All right. So they would know about this. Why is this so very important? Well, you're going to see here in a second because the reason it is so very important is because when Mary and Joseph came and they went to the inn, what, what was there not at the inn? There was no room. All right. So Mary, Joseph, they come into town. She's going to push the baby out, right? She's getting, come on, I got three. I know how, to go. I know how it goes. Don't, my wife's not in here, so I can say that. Like, yeah, I was there. I was her coach. No, I remember I was puking for the second one. I was hiding for the, the or puking for the first one. I was um, hiding for the second one. I, I, was, I was strong for the third one, I think. Um, but no, so that's going to take place. And, and um, so, so Mary's going to give birth here. But um, they went to the inn in this Jewish town, which a culture was primarily Jewish. Um, and there was no room for, uh, for them at the inn. So what's the big deal? What's the big deal? Well, I'm glad you asked, because that, that, that's the question which I have. Because I, I, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, all right, God promised something. He prophesied, which is that's a, that's a promise. God promised that the Messiah was going to be born. Not only did he promise that the Messiah was going to be born, he gave pretty specifics of how this was going to take place. Not even how it was going to take place, but where it was going to take place. So in my mind, I'm just thinking here, if uh, the, the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem and these uh, things that are going on um, in the world where everybody is, is um, being called back or, or being uh, directed to their, their hometowns, that something that's unusual that's taking place, these people are coming back into uh, Bethlehem. In my mind, maybe, maybe I'm just a little bit crazy, but in my mind, if I were an innkeeper at that time, I would start to try to put pieces of the puzzle together. Okay, wonder if this is maybe a, a work of God, and if it is, what, what do I need to do? What, what was that that my daddy and my granddaddy and my great-great-granddaddy and my, you know, taught me that was going to take place? Ooh, I about stepped over. Uh, what taught me that was going about to take place? Nah, don't worry about it. Let's just go about our business. All these people are coming to town. I'm, I, I want to you know, make as much money as I can. The innkeeper forgot the promise, I believe, of God. Well, how can I say that? Well, I can say that with certainty because there was no place at the inn for Mary and Joseph. If I were in that, and and I get it, totally, totally, totally get it. I can stand up here and I can say this all day long because I've read, I, I can look back to it. But think about this. If you know the specifics and you don't execute upon the specifics, do you really believe in the promise? Because they would have been taught this their whole entire lives. Did they really believe in the promise of God? That the Messiah was going to be born? If they did, they weren't prepared. Why were they not prepared? That's another question that pops into my mind. Why, did they, why were they not prepared to receive the Messiah? Well, we know because of history that... Um, there's been a time span of roughly four to 500 years, somewhere in there, 
maybe even up to 600 years, that, that, that God, um, his presence has left the people. Like there's no movement of God has taken place in uh, the, the people of God. Think about that. So if we were to go back five, just let's say 500 years, that would put us back, actually that would put us back in time about the Reformation and everything like that. But there, that, that's, a, that's a long time. A long time. In this long time, God never, never spoke. How do we know that? Well, we know that there's, there's, a, there's a break. It's called the intertestamental period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. God never spoke. There was no action. Nothing took place. If we are, 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 are um, honest, some of us feel that way about our society now. Like, if, okay, God, you need to move. You need to do something. God, I, 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 I believe in your promise, but come on, you got to do something now. I think that that's where we can relate more, or we can relate with this innkeeper. And, and, and my, um, my plea is that we don't end up like the innkeeper. And, and when God moves, there's no room for him to move in the end. So let me paint this picture a little, a little, bit, a little bit more. So um, this expectation that should have been there because of the, 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 the true teaching of God, the, the expectation that, that Bobby sits down his, his Bobby, um, uh, Bobby back, in the, back in the day, Sits down, his boys down and says, okay, here, this is what God has promised us through uh, multiple uh, prophets that, that, that he's going to send uh, a, a Messiah. He's going to send one who's going to rule over his people. He's going to send one who's going to liberate his people. He's going to send one who's going to conquer. He's going, that's going to set us free. If Bobby was doing this uh, faithfully to his, his sons and, and he was getting them excited to, to look for it, look for it, look for it in everything, I believe that there would be a different outcome. I, I believe that if the intensity was there, like, like he could come right now, lives would have been a little bit different. But over a, 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 a long period of time, where it, it, maybe it started out with, okay, yep, God is going to come. He's going to come. He's going he's gonna to bring his Messiah. He's going he's gonna to send his Messiah. Well, he's not here yet. Things start to get laxed over time and more laxed and more laxed and more laxed. So when he does come, the, the, there's a, a large majority of people don't even recognize him. If we're entering into this season, if we're, if we're getting ready to celebrate in just a few days Jesus' birth, like the kids said, what we have to continually remember is that Jesus can come back at any time. If we're saying, hey, we're looking towards the first coming, or we're looking back to the, the first coming, we're looking towards the second coming, could we answer the question, well, I got a space for him in my end? I got a space where I want to make sure that he, he, he's, he's here. He's up, he has residence inside. Or are we busy like everybody else and I ain't got, I ain't got room for him right now? I, I'll get to that when I get older, when I have time. 
had a, a really interesting conversation with a, uh, um, with a Muslim this, this week, which was, it was, the whole thing was kind of cool, but anywho, um, was talking to, to, the, to this Muslim, and, and the conversation went to um, her, her beliefs and, and how they, they, they weigh scales. And, okay, does your good outweigh your bad? And, and uh, I, I made the statement. I was like, well, I couldn't live like that. I, I, I couldn't live like, okay, did I do enough good to, to, to outweigh my bad? Did I, did I help enough old ladies across the street? Did I believe just enough so I can, can, can get into to heaven? And um, she explained to me, she said, well, there's a, you know, you got to pray five times a day and you got to go to, to the, uh, the, the, the mosque, such and such. And, you gotta do, and she started listing off all these things that, that made you good enough so your scales, you wouldn't have to worry about, about your scales. And I, then I asked her a question. I said, well, how are you doing with all that? Well, I'm really busy and I, I don't pray like I should. Well, how, how often do you pray? You're praying five times a day? No, maybe once a week. Okay, well, how often do you go to, to your, uh, your mosque? I haven't been in, I don't know, I couldn't tell you the last time. And we started talking about, so, not that I wanted to make her feel bad by, by any stretch of the imagination. What, what I wanted, to, and, and I explained to her, is like, well, how do your scales line up? Where, where are you at in all this? We were at school, it was another, it was actually a student teacher at, at the school, whatever, but, uh, um, uh, and kids in here don't repeat any of, of, of that. So, um, but uh, I, I said, what, what, uh, what would happen if you would walk out in the hallway and God forbid something like, uh, you know, Columbine or, or, or one of these school shootings or something would happen? Something would happen. What would you know? Where would you be? What would take place? Like if a student came up, and I use a gruesome, took scissors and stabbed you in the eye and you died. Sometimes we need that, that, that grotesque picture. But, but what, would, what would take place? Where would your scales be? And I said, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't take pride in it. I just have comfort in it. I know what would happen to me. If I run out there and someone wants to, you know, ninja chop me and break my neck, okay. I know what's going to happen. Because I, just as we're celebrating the, the, this um, first coming, we're in the Advent season, we celebrated that Jesus has come, we're celebrating him to come again. Well, if I die before he comes again, I know where, where I'm going to be. And the wheels started turning. I, 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 I wish I could say, you know, I, I, I opened my Bible and I, I took her through the Romans road and, I showed, and she accepted Christ right there and she recanted Islam. I, I wish, but no. What happened was, as soon as I got to that, the students came in and it was just, you know, the devil and his distractions took over. But I know there, there was a seed that was planted there. Why do I tell you that? Well, in, in those promises that God has given us, those promises that when it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a promise that, that, that you can take and you can be certain about. It's not like a promise that, 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 that some Christians will say, well, um, and God's not going to give you any more than you can handle. Well, if God's not going to give you any more than you can handle, why do you need Jesus? 
Or how about this? Some, some will say, well, um, if you just become a Christian, your life is going to be great. It's going to be, you know, you're going to be able to, 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 uh, to, to walk the easy path. No. Last time I checked, Jesus was crucified. Paul was stoned in the bad way. Um, all, it, it took a second. All of the apostles were martyred. One dude didn't die because um, it was just freakish. He was boiled in oil. The apostle John was boiled in oil and didn't die. And they're like, well, this is weird. We're just going to send him away. But life is not going to be easy. But what we can understand is that um, in our life, when we do face times of trial and tribulation and, and face those times, how about we face the, 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 those, that, that sin that's in our life? That sin of whatever. Everybody in here has got something they need to deal with. And if you don't want to deal with it, then I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. I, I really don't. Um, but everybody has a sin in here that they need to deal with. And, and, and what we have to understand is through dealing with whatever sin or situation or circumstance, whatever it is, that you're not doing it alone. The promise of God is that, that he doesn't promise us not to go through those things. He promises as we go through them, he's going to be with us. That's what we have to continually remember. That's why, why it's so vitally important as we look at stories like this and see what happens when people forget about the promises of God. <coughs> they miss the miraculous wonders in the, in the works of God. The innkeeper didn't, didn't experience the, the, the birth of the Messiah because he had no room for him, even though he should have known that he was coming. How many of us, if we were going to answer, um, or, uh, answer this, this question, how many of us could say, no, I, 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 I don't relate, don't, answer, don't raise your hands, I don't relate with the innkeeper, Right now, but I did, and I don't want to. How many of us are, are, are taking steps so that we so we don't fall back into that, that we don't get caught up in all the busyness of of, of everyday um, life that we, we forget about? Well, wait a second, it's Christmas again. I gotta I gotta remember. Yeah, Jesus. Oop, it's Easter again. I gotta remember Jesus. And we can remember. That, and this is the conversation that I had with, with my son. Because he, he, for the past few weeks, he was saying, you know, I'm, I'm excited about Christmas. Why are you excited about Christmas? Because I don't buy many presents. Uh, I'm the Grinch, remember? Um, <laughs> no, that's not true. Um, but uh, I, I told Jake, it runs in the family. Thanks, Dad. Um, <laughs> but uh, I've, been, I've been asking him, what? Yeah, I know. Um, I, I, I've been asking him, why, why are you so excited about Christmas? He said, well, we get to celebrate Jesus' birthday. And after a few times, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, okay, that's, that's awesome. And he said it again. I'm like, well, hey, dude, let's, let's do this. Let's try this. Do you realize that we can celebrate Jesus' birthday every single day? And he says, hmm, I never thought of that. In his mind, he's been programmed, granted, he's only seven years old. In his mind, he's been programmed like we can only celebrate <laughs> Jesus' birthday on Christmas. I think that there's a lot of adults that are that way. We need to get out of that mindset. 
We got to understand that this this certainty that God wants a, 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 a He wants more uh, to our or for our lives. It, it, it comes from understanding that that. that the celebration, the, the, the truth, the reality of him being um, born, but his, the reality of him being alive has to be celebrated every single day. I mean, it doesn't mean we run around with banners and everything like that. I'm not, not, not saying that. What, what I am saying, though, is that we need to believe the promises. Start with that. Let's start with a simple step. The simple step in celebrating, and this is maybe we'll do seven simple steps in celebrating. No. The simple step in celebrating Christ's birthday every day is just believing the promises which God has given us. Believe the promises. I've got a whole list of promises, and I'm not even going to go through them all just because of the sake of time. But a few of them. One says, fear not, for I am with you. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be, or be not dismayed, for I am... I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. How about Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread. Sounds like there's a pattern already. Actually, there's, there's many, many, many. Over 300 times in the Bible it says, Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Or as we talked about a few weeks ago, Don't be anxious. Don't worry. How about this, a promise that Jesus himself said. He says, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Remember that promise? That, that's not just the, the, the drunk guy at the game holding the sign up. Woohoo! I love Jesus and Budweiser. <laughs> it's not just that. That's a promise from God. Also, how about this promise? I've already said it, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not that you might, you will be saved. So you don't have to ask the question, as my friend did, of, well, I wonder if my scales are going to, um, the good's going to outweigh the bad. No, you can know for certain that you will be saved. That's awesome. That's something you should, we, we could be, get excited about. And, and, and how about this? Uh, another one. Um, this one, I, I love personally. Why well, I love all these personally, but 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sometimes what, what holds you back from the promises of God, that holds me back from the promises of God, is we think, man, I don't deserve any of that. I got this sin in my life, and I've got that sin in my life. Well, one of his promises is that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive you of all your sins. And, and I love that he doesn't like list if you confess this sin or this sin or this sin or this sin. He doesn't give us a list of sins. He says sins. That was another conversation I had with my friend. Well, do Christians believe that all sins are uh, equally you know, the same? So I said, yes. Well, well, if somebody steals something, it's the same as somebody murdering something or someone. And I said, uh, yes. Well, I don't, I don't understand that. And I said, well, he, he, here's, here's what we've got to do. Don't look at it from human, the human standpoint. Look at it from God's standpoint. God is perfect. God is holy. God is righteous. God is just. He's, he's, the, the, he's above all. He's the maker of the law. To him, any flaw to that... Any sin, any missing the mark, 
is despisable to him, is despicable to him. Quit putting ourselves in the position of God and understand that he's God, I'm not. So when it says things like this, that if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive them, don't try to rank your own sins. All sin can be forgiven. And here's one, and I'm going to end with this one. This promise, because this is a promise that goes really well with our Advent season. Revelation twenty-two twelve. 12. Jesus says this, Behold, I am coming soon. I'm going to stop right there. I am coming soon. Let's not get into a a mindset of, yeah, I know. I know, preacher. Jesus is coming. I need to repent all my sins. I need to get right. I need to sign my house over to the church and No, I'm not saying that. All I want, honestly, all I want for you is to not be in the position of the innkeeper. And when the Messiah comes, man, I I haven't made any room for him. Because the Bible tells us that everyone will face judgment. Everyone will bow before Jesus. Everyone. Some, some will bow for eternal reward. Some will bow for eternal damnation. I don't know who's in that. It's not, I'm not the judge. All, all I can say is I, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to be the herald. He's going to come again. It's going to happen. What promises of God are you believing in? Let's end. Our Father God in heaven. Uh, God, I, I, I pray as, um, as we looked at this text today, I mean, as, as um, you took it a totally different way in which I was planning on taking it, um, that, that your word was, was heard. God, your promises are real. Lord, if, I don't want to say if, but what I do want to say is, is, God, those of us, those of us, I'm, I'm grouped in this, this, um, this category, those of us who have uh, not believed in those promises. My, my prayer is that, that, that we can put away our pride, our selfish ambition, whatever it may be, and just start to believe in the promises of you. And not only believe in the promises, but God, live and bask in the promises. Let our lives be different because of the promises, because the promises themselves won't change our lives. Our response to those promises will. God, let our hearts be pure. Let let, let our words be true. Let our lives reflect you. God, as we uh, celebrate Christmas, God, let us understand we don't have to wait till December 25th to to celebrate the, the birth of your son. God, we love you. We thank you. We pray that uh, you continue to, to watch over us, to lead us, to guide us. To, God, I, I pray that, that, that uh, we can seek you and not ourselves. We can seek your face, not of those around us. But we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.